Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I am the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I am proud to sit beside this man every single week, even though we're a couple states away, but between my speakers is the most knowledgeable guy I know, and I just sit back and listen as Kevin T. Smith rolls on about some really great subjects this week well the Steelers are still out of the playoffs but there were playoff games last week and we're going to talk to Kevin about that and how he felt the Steelers could have actually fared in those games and then we're going to talk about the big news that everybody wants to talk about well it's Canada Matt Canada and he's staying on with the Steelers for at least another season and Everybody's got a lot to say about that, but first, I've got to welcome in my buddy, KT. What is going on? Nothing, Brian. Appreciate the uh, the introduction as always. And um, I, as I'm listening to you talk about uh, Matt Canada, I'm thinking to myself, the amount of uh, angst that has sort of been uh, driven through keyboards and uh, and on to blog screens etc uh, in the last couple of days is is kind of staggering so i read through the big thread that we had on behind the steel curtain after it was announced that canada had been rehired and you know kind of reminded me of the old behind the steel curtain you and i have both been around behind the steel curtain long enough to remember when it was a far nastier place uh you know when when people were in open disagreement with one another and they didn't really handle those disagreements civilly uh, except that now all those all that all those angry voices were on the same side it seemed to be uh, a near unanimous opinion that that bringing back matt canada is uh one of the worst decisions in the history of worst decisions so uh <laughs> well every decision is the worst decision <laughs> in the history of steelers decision the next one's yeah. gonna be one because that's oh, yeah, what yeah. we do yeah, but I mean, we're going to have some fun talking about that tonight. Did you notice there was one there was one uh, screen name not present on those Canada talks, and it was mine? Uh, I was not present as well. So. so You know what? I just like to sit back, and uh, I, I, I love it. And we have – it doesn't matter what your age is. 
there's so much knowledge here at BTSC, whether you're still in your teens. And we've got one in our teens that I trust so much with his opinion. And we have, uh, albeit 19, but we have, then you have guys like you and I, we're, we're the outer statesmen. We're, we're the, you, me and Shannon White are the guys in our, in our fifties. Well, I guess Tony now too, but most of, most of the time I'd say, Three fourths of those guys just sit back and and let everybody roll, but it's the young guys that have the opinion, and then you'll notice them in another fifteen years. They'll be the ones sitting back and going, "Hey, let those guys run. I don't have the energy for it." <laughs> no, exactly. Hey, you and I were talking before the show. We were both saying it when we were in our mid twenties. We were certain of everything. We were certain we were right about everything. Anybody who disagreed with us was wrong. And as we've gotten older, you just you just walk that back a little bit. You see things from a little bit of a wider view. And and at the end of the day, sometimes you're right. You just don't have the energy. So, But we're going to put a lot of energy into this tonight. I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. One thing that I don't do and you don't do, Kevin, is we don't claim that we thought something that uh, happened happened. We never do the I told you so game. You know, if Matt Canada... and I am firmly on the side where I don't want the Steelers to retain Matt Canada. I'm sure he's a lovely gentleman, but I just, that's just not the direction I want the team to go, but I don't have decision-making in the team. But if something happens that year two of the Kenny Pickett experience, and I'm not calling it an experiment because it's not an experiment, it's an experience. And if it just, if he's an all pro player and they're scoring close to 30 points a game and Matt Cannon is here to stay. I'm not going to say, oh, I knew he was going to be good. I, you just needed to give him time. I'm like, nope, he proved me wrong. And I'm going to have no problem saying he proved me wrong. But right now, I feel like there's a lot to be proven, Kevin. What do you think needs to be proved by Matt Canada? I think the biggest thing he has to prove is that he can develop an, an NFL passing game, that he's got the ability to sort of scheme receivers open that uh that his scheme is complex enough to not easily be foiled by nfl defensive coordinators i think that will be the big challenge it's and and i'm i'm with you i i don't well there's so much we don't know there's so much we don't know about what goes on behind the scenes we're not in the meeting rooms we don't we don't know what happens with the game planning there's a possibility and a lot of people are going to hear this and say all right, you know, KT Smith, what, what are you talking about? But uh, there's a possibility that, you know, part of the reason that the passing game wasn't very complex was because Mike Tomlin was holding it back. Mike Tomlin made it very clear that he preferred a conservative game plan whereby Kenny Pickett did not turn the football over. When you look at the early results, Pickett's first four games, he throws eight interceptions. The Steelers go one and three in those games. And Tomlin seems after the bye week to have delivered a, you know, a pretty declarative statement. I don't know if he gave it specifically to Matt Cannon or not, but you know, we're going to, we're going to win football games by running the ball, not turning it over, playing the defense. And that's what the Steelers did over those last nine games. And they went seven and two. Uh, I, so, you know, maybe Matt Cannon has got it in him. Maybe that passing game is there and he just hasn't had the ability to unleash it yet. I don't know if that's the, the, the truth or not, but we will find out he's got to be able to show that somehow because bottom line, 
You score points in the NFL with explosive plays. And uh, the Steelers didn't produce enough of them. And in order to beat Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, the, 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 the big three in the AFC right now, you got to score points. So Canada's going to have to prove you can score more points next year. So here's a question. A lot of people were talking about the Byron Leftwich firing in Tampa Bay. And so one thing that a lot of people in private chats and like said, hey, what about you bring him in as a pass, pass game coordinator? Yeah, I mean, the thought process is great. You've got a guy that knows how to run the ball real well in Matt Canada. Then you've got a guy that knows all about passing. But is that seriously something that could work? Because it seems like you put a couple egos in the same room and a couple specialists in the same room, and you're asking for more trouble than just having one guy. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? My my immediate reaction on um, on Leftwich echoes a little bit of what some people have said in the in the last few days. I think Jeffrey Bendick mentioned something about this. In that Leftwich was a Bruce Arians disciple. Uh, Bruce Arians was a guy who really favored the downfield throw uh, under Bruce Arians. The Steelers offense had a lot of success, but Ben Roethlisberger took a lot of hits, got sacked a lot, turned the ball over uh, a little bit more than he had earlier in his career. And so that doesn't marry up with what has been Matt Canada's philosophy at all. So my concern would be, are would Leftwich and Canada be on the same page? Because if they're not, then it's just pointless to have a passing game coordinator. Your passing game coordinator has to complement what your offensive coordinator does in general. He's got to be a guy – just because you're the passing game coordinator doesn't mean you design the entire passing game. It means you help the offensive coordinator with, with his core play schemes and designs, and more so than anything else, you help him on game day. You help him on game day by identifying coverages, looking at what the uh, opposing defense is doing, and finding the right schemes uh, to defeat that. So, So – you need if you're if the Steelers are going to do this, they're going to need to do it with somebody who is in sync with what Canada wants to do, or who can take some of what Canada does and grow it within the foundations of that scheme. You can't have a run game that uh, is one offense and a passing game that's another. You have to work those two together. So I'm not skeptical. I would actually like to see a passing game coordinator. More than half the teams in the NFL have one. So it's not like it's, you know, just this crazy idea. Um, but you you got to know who you want to bring in. You can't just hire a guy because he had success in one place. Absolutely. Now, this is a big question. You've already alluded to one of the possibilities here. So I'm going to bring that up as well. Why is Matt Canada still employed by the Pittsburgh Steelers? And that's a question that's been asked a lot. One could be something that you mentioned before. So we'll go with that as A and say, well, hey, it was Mike Tomlin's call to hold things back in year two and the maturation of Kenny Pickett, they might open things up. Or it could be B, which is Dave Schofield has this theory and it's something that we've seen happen with Randy Feetner, which Pittsburgh Steelers have a history of not letting a coordinator go until his contract is up. So essentially they don't fire a coach. They just don't welcome you back in the door. It's just 
hey, go out and get coffee, and then we just change the locks on you. <laughs> uh, I think it. I think there's a C in there, and I think the C is that the growth that the Steelers' offense showed over those last nine games was enough to allow Mike Tomlin to believe that continuity was more important than change. That giving Canada another year with Pickett and the opportunity to sort of pick up where they left off would inevitably lead to a better Steelers offense because Pickett was getting more and more comfortable within the framework of that scheme. And Pickett said it himself. He said in those four starts that he made uh, before the before the bye week, he was worried more about just executing the plays, getting the call uh, in his helmet from the sideline, calling the play in the huddle, and then going out there under center and and executing the play, like knowing who to hand the ball off to or where you know his primary read was supposed to be or who they who was supposed to throw the ball to. That's all this. That's all the stuff that a rookie quarterback has to do because he's never done that stuff before, right? He's just getting down the basics. Uh, you got to remember, you know, Kenny Pickett didn't take any reps with the first team throughout the entire preseason and the first month of the season. So he's doing all that stuff in a live situation for the first time. But then after the bye, Pickett said, only then did he begin to grow into the bigger part of the quarterback's job, which is reading defenses, understanding coverages, seeing things that were going to happen as the game uh, progressed. You know, the part that separates a guy who's just, a you know, uh, somebody running an offense to a guy who's running it well. And I think that what the Steelers saw and Mike Thomas specifically saw was that as Pickett got better at handling more responsibility, uh, along with some other things you know, in the run game, et cetera, the offense got better. And so I think at the end of the day, they really believe that the continuity combined with Pickett's growth, combined with the further maturation of the youngest offense in the NFL, will be successful enough to get the Steelers where they want to go. That's all great. And I actually, uh, I think that's a good plan. And that's something to look at. You mentioned Kenny Pickett in the early, early uh, games and what he was trying to do. When you said that, I I thought of three games in particular. I thought of the Miami game, then the two Baltimore games after that. So bear with me on this as I try to make your point by bringing up these two games. Pittsburgh Steelers lost a game against Miami, which if they win, they might still be in the playoffs. But the reason they lost that game is because Kenny Pickett was trying to do what Kenny Pickett was supposed to do he could have taken off and run on one of those last interceptions late in the game and might have made it but he he needed to do what his job was and try to pass the football and not just get get antsy and take off yeah if he would have taken off he probably scores they probably win that game but there's an interception then you go to the baltimore the first baltimore game he didn't play long but Kenny Pickett right away, we, we joked if Kenny Pickett would have stayed in, he would have had over hundred yards rushing because he was taken off all the time. He was just like, if there was an opportunity, he was gone. Then in the second Baltimore game, when he played the whole game, especially at the end of that game with that pass to Najee Harris, he might've not gotten in the end zone, 
but he trusted himself because he felt he got to the situation where if he stuck with the play, he was going to get somebody open and he wasn't antsy and he completed that pass to Najee Harris in the end zone. So I think the maturation is really shown on what he can do in those three games. And Matt Canada has, I guess he has had to have a lot to do with that. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between doing your job and playing football. Uh, yeah. When you're doing your job, you're sort of with doing what, what you're supposed to do within the framework of the scheme. But we all know that playing quarterback, oftentimes the framework of the scheme breaks down and now it becomes your ability to play football, make stuff happen. Ben Brothersberger was an absolute master at it and he's going to the Hall of Fame because of it. Kenny Pickett did some really Ben Roethlisberger-like things in the second half of that season. The, the play you just referenced, the touchdown pass to, to Najee Harris against the Ravens is a great example. That looks such like a Roethlisberger play where he gets edge pressure. Uh, you know, he kind of he rips out of it. He, he rolls left. He throws across his body, uh, pinpoint throw into a tight window for a touchdown. That's playing football. I mean, if Kenny Pickett in that situation is doing his job, Maybe he throws that away. You know, maybe maybe he he hangs in the pocket a little bit longer because he's been coached to to not you know move, uh, move out of the pocket so quickly. But at that point in the season, I think he understood the X and O's well enough to be able to kind of let it go. He just he he just let it rip and he, and he was able to play ball. And you know, there's a fine line between those two things. Sometimes that playing ball mindset gets you into trouble. Sometimes you, you look back on a guy like Brett Favre. I mean, it seemed like that's all he was doing was playing ball. And he came, and he threw some really stupid interceptions as a result of it. It was a boomer bust mentality with him. Uh, Pickett's certainly not there. The Steelers want to be able to find that sweet spot between Kenny Pickett being good enough in the pocket to execute the offense the way it's drawn up on a whiteboard versus Kenny Pickett improvising, uh, making stuff happen, extending plays, playing ball, et cetera. And so he's he's really not there yet in either aspect, but he's gotten better in both. And and that's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of optimism as a result of that. So let's wrap this section up with Matt Canada. He's here. He might be here because of the fact that he has one year left on his contract. That doesn't matter. He's here and there's going to be another season of him. Do you think that this is boom or bust? Do you, do you think that this is absolutely pass fail? A hundred percent. It's a hundred percent pass fail. Uh, if the, if the offense doesn't improve significantly, uh, he's gone. I have no, no doubt about that because his contract is up and it would be his third year on the job. And you would have given him, you know, half of Pickett's rookie contract just about, uh, and if this if the sense is that the offense doesn't get to a place where the Steelers can compete with their offense against the Buffaloes and the Kansas cities, then they're going to have to look for somebody else. I think that's a no brainer. I don't I don't know what it's going to be, to be quite honest with you. Obviously, the tendency is to say this is a terrible decision. You know, look at all the numbers. This offense is just isn't good enough. They're bottom third in, in every, just about every metric. And I understand all that. And, you know, they're taking a big risk, the Steelers are. They're banking on significant improvement, not slight improvement. They're, they're, bank they're not looking here to go from, you know, the, the being 25th in the league in points per game to 21st. That kind of improvement is certainly not going to be good enough. They're going to have to jump up fairly significantly. 
but I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the camp that says it can't happen. I, I think that quarterbacks especially make big leaps between their first and second year. The offensive line has the opportunity to improve significantly, especially if they upgrade the talent at, at one or two different positions. Uh, and the, and the core group of skill players is young and dynamic. And so, Hey, there's a, there's certainly a chance that the continuity uh, of bringing Canada back coupled with him being able to evolve his scheme as Pickett evolves could lead to the growth the Steelers are looking for. That's, that's the silver lining, uh, you know, perspective. So, uh, or I shouldn't say silver lining. That's, that's the, that's the glass half full perspective, but it's not out of the question. It definitely is not. So I'm glad to hear that. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, he's here and that's who I'm rooting for. So I'm actually rooting for a new contract for him because that means in your words, he's had a fantastic season. Right. I think there's a lot of people rooting against him coming back just so they can say, I told you so. And uh, that's unfortunate because if, 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 if in fact, the I told you so's are right. It means the Steelers probably didn't have a very good 2023 season. So I think we should all be rooting for the guy to succeed. Absolutely. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers show, as we talk about what might have been for the Pittsburgh Steelers as the 2022 postseason rages on. You won't look my way. Oh, come on, girl. I Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. There's no pregame because the Steelers are out of the playoffs. We're getting ready for a new season because when a new one ends, a excuse me, when an old one ends, a new one begins, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Before we get into what might have been, Kevin, I'm going to ask you this. So as a coach and as an administrator for a football team, you know, you have rebuilding to do after a season ends. What's the first thing that you would think that the Steelers are doing as soon as they are ousted from the playoffs? Well, I think the first thing that they're going to do is uh, self-scout. They're going to start breaking down all of their games and look at their own strengths and weaknesses and scout themselves. Where, what did we do? Where, were, where did we succeed? Uh, what are our tendencies? What were the things that were glaringly obvious to our opponents? A lot of times teams will bring in a guy from the outside to do that for them. They'll, they'll bring in a, a quality con- control coach or, or even a consultant. And they'll say, scout us, you know, give us, give us your, your breakdown of what we did uh, as if you're an opposing coach. So we can look at how other teams assess us. And uh, I think that that's very educational and instructive. You see things through somebody else's eyes that sometimes you don't see yourselves and they might present you with, with some things in which you go, Oh, huh, I didn't even realize that we were that predictable in that situation or that this was our tendency in this area. So I think that's the process they're going through now. Um, you know, even as the playoffs continue. Let's go ahead and look at the playoffs right now. Jacksonville came back from 27 down to beat the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't think the Steelers would have been in a position if they were down 27 nothing at this particular juncture to come back in a situation like that. Kevin, is there any stretch of the imagination that says that they could have? 
I, I don't know. I don't, they, there weren't, they're certainly not built for it. Um, <laughs> watching that game, are you familiar with the parable of the, uh, the, the frog in the pan of water? You know, when you, when you, when you put the frog, if, if you throw a frog into a, a pot of boiling water, it would jump right back out because the water's so hot and, and the, the difference between, you know, being out of the water and in the water is so extreme that the frog notices it right away. Versus if you, if you put the, the frog in the water in the first place and then you slowly heat the water up until it boils, the frog won't notice the difference until it's too late and it'll, it'll die. Um, yes. That, it, you know, that, that's what that game reminded me of. I, I almost got the sense the chargers, like they just didn't see it coming. They didn't do anything to change the way that they were playing. They, they kept, they kept snapping the ball with, you know, 12 seconds left on the play clock and they kept just kind of running their offense. And, uh, you know, they just uh, didn't really do anything significantly different on, on defense. It, it felt as though they thought, you know, we are, right, we got, we have enough time and we can just keep doing what we're doing. And, and, and it didn't work out like that. So maybe if the Steelers got an assist from their opponent, the way Jacksonville got an assist from Los Angeles, they could, but otherwise, no, the Steelers are not built to come back like that. Did the Baltimore Ravens steal something from the Steelers that worked against them and absolutely killed them against the Cincinnati Bengals? I'm talking about being on the goal line, being inches away from going up 24 to 17 and the Baltimore Ravens trying to push Tyler Huntley into the end zone while he's in the air, helping cause a fumble and the ball going the other way. Yeah, and you know it's funny. You and I talked about it on last week's podcast. You asked me if uh, you said, "What's your stance on trying to reach the ball over the goal line like that?" We talked about that, and I just said I, I hate it because it happened to Najee Harris uh, on, in the season finale, and and there it goes. And that change that I mean that's the game. That's the game. So so Baltimore's got to be kicking themselves because they had they had multiple opportunities to win that football game, and it's frustrating because when you look at those two games, you think to yourself. The Steelers could have beaten all, all four of those teams. The way the way that Cincinnati played, uh, you know, makes me believe that the Steelers would have been right there with them, and they could certainly beat the other three teams. So it's frustrating they they lose out on on the playoffs by the the slightest margin, uh, and yet they could be you know playing in the divisional weekend. So frustrating to watch those games. Most frustrating was watching the Miami Dolphins who were completely outmatched score 31 points and have every opportunity and then some to beat the Buffalo Bills. What happened in that game? Because I thought Buffalo played terrible for a team that still scored 34 points. Yeah. I think that's in large part, uh, the, uh, some of the familiarity, uh, you know, the whole, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season and, Having to play them a third time, uh, I think had you know gave them Miami had a comfort zone there, a sense of familiarity, and then you know they're starting the rookie Skylar Thompson, and I don't know if Buffalo underestimated him or didn't really have a game plan in place for him based upon the limited amount of game reps that they've been able to see from him on film, uh, and I don't know if it was you know some carryover from the from the DeMar Hamlin uh, tragedy and that they, when it started to turn a little bit and Miami kind of came back from the, you know, they were down 17, nothing and they start to come back a little bit. 
did everybody in Buffalo just get a little bit nervous, just get a little tight, you know, and that's what it felt to me. Like the bills got tight. Um, so, so I don't know, you know, I think that there's a lot going on in that game that, that felt like a complicated situation. Do you think the Steelers would have won that game? No, Buffalo's the one team I think in the first who played last weekend, who, uh, the Steelers aren't built to play against because, you know, Cincinnati, I give them a better chance against because of, again, of the familiarity aspect, they, they know the, the Bengals a little bit better and, uh, you know, they lost, they beat them once and in the second game, you know, they gave up a lot of points, but it was a relatively competitive game. Buffalo blew their doors off. And I don't think it was because uh, it was an anomaly. I don't think it was a one-off. I think it was because Buffalo's style of play is a tough matchup for the Steelers right now. And um, I think they would have had a really tough time going into Buffalo and winning. All right. So here's a tough question to ask, but it's something that uh, we've grown accustomed to asking here. Who's the dude of the week, Kevin? Well, I don't, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm going to, I, I thought about this before the show and I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm going to throw out Matt Canada's name as the dude <laughs> of the week. And, you know, I mean, if, if there's booing on a on a podcast, I can hear them booing right now. Well, that was but, my idea, too. <laughs> OK, yeah. he's got to be, man. He's the biggest winner of the week. Right. If there's a winner in Pittsburgh this week, it's Matt Canada. Yeah, I think a lot of people would say if there's a loser this week, it's Steelers fans, you know, but uh, if there's an anti dude of the week. But um, but yeah, man, Matt Canada gets another shot. And if you're Matt Canada, you got to be excited about that, obviously. And and Matt Canada, I mean, these things don't happen, you know, just it's not like Mike Tomlin just decided after the Cleveland game. All right, I guess I'll bring Canada back. You know, like he's been this has been a thought process of his for a while. Uh, and Matt Canada has had to have done enough, not just in terms of his play calling. Everybody fixates on the play calling. But all the other intangible things that fans don't see, the way he runs practices, the way he talks and communicates with players, the way he interacts with the rest of his staff. I mean, I once let a coach go, and again, I know I'm only talking about high school, but I think that there's a parallel here. I mean, I once let a coach go who I thought was a pretty good football coach, but he was just almost impossible to deal with in the coaching room. He was like a contrarian by nature. And he was a guy who just felt like he had to challenge every little thing that was being said or being proposed by the other coaches. And, you know, some of that is good, uh, but, but it was to the point where it became almost impossible to deal with him. And his, and while he was a good coach, I, I just thought to myself, man, we can't have this much dissension as a staff and it's all coming from one guy. And I got to remove that guy. Uh, so obviously Canada is not a problem um, within the coaching room. If he was, I think that there would be more of a move to let him go. You know, so I think there's more than just what he's doing with his play calls that contributed to him coming back. I kind of like that explanation and I will take that very interesting. Yeah. You got to go dude of the week because if anybody has to be even more of a dude, it's going to be Matt Canada. Now he's going to, he's, has so much to prove because he is on the ultimate hot seat, but he has another chance and you know, winners will go ahead and find ways to get themselves off of the hot seat. So let's just see what kind of dude this guy is. Yes, sir. We're going to find out. That's for darn sure. 
All right, Kevin, it has been a fantastic show. I appreciate everything that you do. We're going to be here back next week and talk about the progression of the Steelers offseason. And we're going to also talk about what's going on because the state of the union in the Berg always seems to change daily, just like that. Who knows what we're going to be talking about next week because who knows what they're going to throw at us. So, Kevin, thanks so much. Yeah, Brian. Thank you. It was fun. Hope everybody has a great week out there. Absolutely. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis, and you know you've got to do one thing. It's keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Mm-hmm.